What is it about kids these days? Always on their phones, can't seem to hold their attention from one moment to the next. Kids these days, I mean, what is it? What's going on with these millennials? Today on the podcast, we're gonna analyze those malleable, magnificent millennials, getting a sense of who they are, what their values are, uh, what are some common themes that shape their experiences, as well as taking a deeper dive into the values that motivate them. Again, when we're looking at millennials, we're looking at a group of folks that are like, can we fix it? Yes, we can. So today, what we're gonna do is take some time and get an idea of what we're what are some backgrounds about millennials that we need to know? What things do we need to understand as far as like big things that uh, affected them? We're gonna look at the stories that created the millennial experience so we have a better sense of what are the things that shaped their values and gave them a sense of why they feel and think the way they do. And from there, then we're gonna kinda try to take some time to look at what were the common values that might come out of millennial experiences so we have a better sense of who they are. So when we're looking at millennials, this is going to be the biggest group of folks out there generationally. They represent 27.5% of all folks generationally specifically. Not looking at the new generation, Generation Z, which we'll be looking at in specific just in a little bit later. They've been called millennials, Generation Y. They've been called next gen, our generation next. Uh, their teen years happened from 2000 to 2010s. So that would be their teen experience specifically. Some key events that happened during this time frame, the Oklahoma City Federal Bombing Building, the television show Rating System was established, Columbine High School shootings happened, President Clinton and Monica Lewinsky scandal happened, the Y2K non-event happened, uh, the September 11th World Trade Center attack happened. The Department of Homeland Security was created in 2002. Uh, Massachusetts and other states began to legalize gay marriage during this generation's time. They saw the Dow Jones hit a record high several different times. The Great Recession happened for this generation. And they also saw Barack Obama become the first black president. They saw Occupy Wall Street happen in 2011. And they've seen the slowest job recovery after a recession since the Great Depression. Some of the things that they feel as far as what makes millennial generation unique, they say technology use, their like of music and pop culture, the fact that they're liberal and tolerant, they feel like they're smarter, and their clothes are a part of why millennials feel as though they're different. How do millennials see themselves at work? They see, they make personal friends at work. They see themselves as sociable. They feel as though they think outside of the box. They feel as though they're open to new ideas and they're friendly specifically. So millennials have always been taught they have something to say and what they have to say matters and that they should be listened to. Part of the reason that this happens is because when you're looking at millennials, millennials were mostly raised by, remember when I talked about the late baby boomers, the more cynical baby boomers, as well as part of the first part of generation X. Now you are a millennial if you fall if you were born between the age range of 1981 to 
to 2001 specifically. There was like a smaller group of millennials that were counted like from 1980 to 1994, but that's actually a little bit more Gen Y and Gen Y is very similar, but not exactly the same. Millennials definitely, desperately want to contribute, but they're told they have to wait, they have to pay their dues, and so what they do is they tend to just bypass people that do or think that way, and they try to move from to places that value them more. So as far as like moving for uh, career advancement, we're looking at a generation that is going to be moving more and faster than any other generation that we've talked about to date. Now that means in the work world, they're really looking to be taken seriously even though they don't have what's called real-world experience. And here's what might surprise you. Millennials agree that with their bosses that they do lack the experience. Only 29% of millennials rate their generation as competent in their jobs. But they still want to add, they're still looking to be part of the conversation. Because they're the newest generation in the workplace, millennials are also criticized more than other generations. I've heard folks say this new generation doesn't know how to work worth a damn and quits when life gets hard. Uh, this, these sentiments have been echoed throughout the world, even at Foxconn. They said that our millennials will resign the minute they get angry. Very few of them have the ability to eat bitterness. Now in Asian culture, the ability to eat bitterness is seen as the ability to persevere, to fight through things, to get to a place where you're a little bit better. And so they're definitely not able to understand why they don't kind of like earn their dues a little bit more. Now we're going to take a look at some of the biggest stories that made the millennial generation the way they are. The first one is heavy, unprecedented parent involvement in their formative years. Now you remember Generation X is the smallest of the four generations because boomer parents didn't have a big baby boom. Uh, they had that boom much later, uh, and again, that's that second boom, that echo boom, had just begun. Millennials were the wanted generation, as Generation X was more of seen as a hassle or um, neglected a little bit more specifically. They were half as many children per family in the second baby boom as the first, but far fewer women gave birth. The number of multiple births skyrocketed as fertility became a new growth area in reproductive healthcare. By 1990, 80% of all fathers were wanting to be in delivery rooms attending the children's births, which was up 27%, which was uh, the case halfway through Generation X birth years. So you see, right, both parents are really involved, excited, wanting to be part of their children's lives. Now, Generation X was different than the Millennials because they were told, go outside and play and don't come home till dark. How many parents might think of even considering to tell that to their children today? After missing children started showing up on milk cartons, billboards, parents of Millennials couldn't turn their kids loose. And so, they chose instead to become their children's activity directors. They arranged playdates, they lived in their minivans, they drove their kids from one activity to another, soccer, ballet, music lessons, swim team, blah, blah, blah. They were heavily involved in their kids' lives and that didn't necessarily end with graduation. This generation became, had their folks known eventually as helicopter parents because of how much they hovered around their children. The parents of that generation, of the generation before, uh, helped their kids move into their dome room and then said deuces and called it a day and dipped out. Today, colleges run parent orientation sessions so they can get 
the parents to leave their millennial kids at college. Bananas, isn't it? Heavily involved parents created millennials' expectation that their managers needed to be more involved and wanted to be involved in their work lives. I, in my own work, frequently have had managers say that millennial workers' parents would write and, and complain that their children didn't get an internship or a promotion or the, the good assignment that they were hoping for. But many of these managers were also shocked when parents asked if they can sit in on interviews. Again, this generation is different than any other generation that came forward. The kids like their parents and the parents like their kids, and that created a really strong, powerful bond. And it didn't just make overprotective parents. Millennials and their parents have a mutual affection and admiration. Almost half of millennials pick their parents as role models and heroes over celebrities and friends. And again, remember, this goes both ways, which is really different outside of paradigms that we're used to seeing. Millennials want their parents to be involved in their lives. A study from Tom Rainier found that 77% of millennials regularly seek their parents' advice. Millennials believe their parents can offer guidance for navigating the university as well as the workplace, while many boomers knew that their parents wouldn't be allowed on such information. Boomers were often the first in their families to go to college. Their traditional parents couldn't could show them how to farm, they could show them how to build a house, but they couldn't show them anything about college or help them navigate the corporate world. So what are you going to do if you're working with a millennial specifically? You need to engage them. They are hidden resources as well as potential customers that exist out there. They have ideas our expertise that will benefit your organization and they will gladly share with others. Don't roll your eyes when millennials tell you something their parents said. Listen and grab your pencil, especially if it's good. Send the parents company logo hats and sweatshirts because you know what? They're going to wear them because they want to be part of what's happening in their children's lives. Make sure your company's website has information for the parents on the recruiting page and a way for parents to ask questions about their company for their children Otherwise, you might see them in the interview as well. So again, when you're working with them, make sure it's not only millennials that are getting a sense of what's going on or what's happening in the space. You want to reassure their parents as well. The second story that really affected millennials quite a lot is the fear of low self-esteem. Millennials are confident and their parents and teachers convince them that they are special. And guess what? Millennials believe it. In one survey, 96% of millennials agreed or somewhat agreed with this statement. I can do something great. Their parents communicated with them by dialoguing rather by dictating. So they're not used to being dictated to. They're used to being talked with and they're used to co-creating their own decisions. Remember, millennials were raised differently. They were raised and told not to keep score in organized sport leagues because they didn't want to make the losing team feel bad. Everybody who paid their fee got a participation trophy, whether they liked it or not. Generation X put a protective shield around the self-esteem of their children. Again, some of this is Generation X and some is that late boomer group that we're looking at when we're talking about some of this stuff. I've heard stories like this. After our team was beaten soundly in a game, the other child's mother said we should come up when the team had just been beaten and the other team's parents should make a parent bridge for the players who just lost to run through. 
sardonically, I always try to think that, like, you know, life doesn't work that way, right? Like, nobody makes you, like, a bridge. Like, hey, you lost. Way great. And then gives you a juice box, right? But remember, that is the experience this generation had because a lot of the boomers, as well as Generation X folks that raised them, didn't have that sense of one-on-one -on -one connection with this generation and didn't have that sense of that they really care about how they felt about stuff. So from participation, trophies on the soccer field, or a bouquet of ro roses after a preschool dance recital. Think about that. A bouquet of roses after a preschool dance recital. This is their experience. Millennials have been made to feel special. They have births, baptisms, bar mitzvahs, confirmations, games, and graduations all stored on videotape DVD, if not streamed live on the internet. Considering their 20 years of being the center of attention, we can't be surprised when millennials have the confidence to speak up in meetings and say what they have to add, even though they might have only been on the project for one day. So no, they need to have the feeling to add to something. Millennials also were the most marketed to generation ever. They came about during what is called the consumer age and millennials have always been raised as consumers their parents offered them more choices than any other generation has had ever i remember growing up in a town with two hamburger restaurants it did no good to complain to my parents because there weren't other viable options out there but today have you not seen an suv leave one fast food restaurant to go across the street to pick up something else for their kid that was whining in the back seat again this is a common experience in millennial backgrounds millennials have had so many options that they have to have search engines to find ways to sort through all that information it's taught them to ask for what they want and if you can't find it look somewhere else because someone else is willing to give it to you that's the consumer mentality Consumer, the millennials consumer approach in the workplace almost gets interpreted as an entitlement mentality. I've heard it said by people in the workplace that they will ask for things after three to four weeks that other folks wouldn't think to ask after six to eight years. And when we tell them why that happened, we mention, well, they've been marketed to, marketed to that way. You can make a Happy Meal with almost anything at McDonald's for your millennial child and we give them an extra special unique toy with every single happy meal. So millennials have been taught to be entitled. They've been taught that they're entitled to the thing that they get. Interesting fact, McDonald's gives out more toys than any other place in the world. They're the biggest toy distributor that exists in the world and they're a fast food restaurant. Now part of what they saw and experienced with their consumerism was economic expansion and economy that had been booming and something that their parents were doing, which was financially unsustainable, which was borrowing against their house and excessive borrowing. 60% of 20 to 29 year olds have cashed out their retirement plans. On average, they carry three credit cards and have a 20% debt balance of more than $10,000. Although that is starting to slow down, that is part of what had been their experience. And here's the other thing that's interesting. Uh, millennials are graduating from college with an average debt of $26,600. But here's the kicker. Half of millennials drop out of college before they even get that degree. Besides wanting to make money, 
Millennials also want to make a difference. Millennials are known as post-materialistic, and happiness is higher on their agenda than it ever had been for their immediate predecessors. They don't think of money as everything, and are willing to give up material comforts in search of happiness as well as the opportunity to make a difference. But the fact that they also grew up during the Great Recession also really shaped the way they feel and experience the world too. The second half of this generation hadn't been so lucky. The first half could be picky and demanding about jobs because there were plenty available. The second half struggled in an economy with unemployments at record high levels. The jobless economy in America has made it so millennials are experiencing the most pain and the most acute pain. They grew up in an unusual time called the Great Moderation because of steady economic growth and only two very mild recessions in their background. Economists expect that the global economy will have even greater volatility as the United States and Europe are growing much more slowly than other parts of the world. Even more challenging, millennials will support a huge but longer living boomer generation who will continue to draw heavily on underfunded social security as well as healthcare in their retirement years. The UN has predicted that by 2050 there will be only two workers for every pensioner rather than four as there are today. The American dream that every generation will make more than the previous generation is currently hitting strong resistance. The Great Recession was especially hard on blue collar jobs further dampening the prospects of millennials. The unemployment rate for high school dropouts is 14%, but only 4% for college graduates. Due to the fact that robots, automation, and other efficiencies are making such workers less needed and more disposable is really hurting this generation's job prospects. While there is recent hope for a rebound in manufacturing, the jobs that require this the most will usually require a degree in math and science. The Great Recession left a scar on the psyche of this very, very optimistic generation. It will likely be many years before the economy grows at a pace that it did in the 1980s and the 1990s. Millennial facing increasing college costs with much more student debt, a much more difficult job market, and lower wages really makes it super difficult for this generation. 14% of millennials who are working a full-time job say they still rely on the financial support of their parents. Yet, despite all this discouraging economic reality, the Pew Research Center found that millennial optimism is still yet alive and well. In spite of the Great Recession, two-thirds of millennials who say they cannot afford to live the life they want still say at 90% they expect to earn enough to live the future they want to live and live in the good life. Even before Y2K, September 11th, and the 2001 recession crushed the Generation X optimism, they still pulled 12 percentage points lower than even these now-battered millennials do when asked about their future and their economic prospects. Terrorism also was something that really shaped the experience of the millennial generation. First and foremost, it was 9-11. I asked a group of University of Illinois administrators the name of the most important stories that shape millennials, and without a doubt, they always say 9-11. And I ask them how, and they say, well, honestly, with everything, they can't narrow it down. It's a ubiquitous part of their experience. Traditionalists and baby boomers believed in delayed gratification, work hard now and get rewarded tomorrow. But there is an entire generation of young adults that have grown up knowing that tomorrow 
might never arrive. A terrorist or a crazed gunman may run into an office tower, a post office, a mall, or create a mall into a war zone. Before 9-11, the closest war had ever come to America in the modern era was Pearl Harbor. But millennials witnessed the World Trade Center bombing in 1993, the bombing of the federal building in Oklahoma City in 1995. Wars and battles had always been an over-there phenomenon, someone that happened across the ocean. But not anymore. Millennials grew up with metal detectors, airport searches and scans, bomb-sniffing dogs, and arm swap teams in public places because now the enemy is among us or it, at least it could be this is part of a formative part of their experience and not knowing who to trust is really something that's something they have to deal with 2001 shaped millennial culture in at least two major ways millennials learned not wait until tomorrow and do something important now because tomorrow might never arrive for examples, millennials have a higher rate of volunteerism than other generations did at the same time. Now second, they have a strong impulse to keep work and life balance because they see no reason to sacrifice today because you might not be around tomorrow to enjoy it. The second to the last thing that really made a difference as far as millennial experiences is the fact that technology is everywhere. Millennials experience was the first generation to grow up digital, surrounded by digital technology. Millennials spend more than 35 hours a week with media of one kind or another, and they're not really picky about how they take it. For example, as I like to watch TV shows, but I never watch like just YouTube. But YouTube's a big way that they take in input. Also, they'll watch things like Instagram, they'll watch Facebook videos, and they'll take their content in that way, and they're more than happy to do so in that way specifically. For millennials, a smartphone is a bodily appendage. They were raised with it. They're used to having it with them at all times. Millennials love technology for four main reasons. Technology helps make millennials more important than other directions. Most parents of millennial kids know how valuable their children are when it comes to technology. After suspending an unsuccessful hour on the phone with tech support, they know they can get things fixed with their smartphone with two minutes just by asking their son. Dad, he'll say, it's not a smartphone until you can learn how to work all the buttons. Millennials know how valuable they are when it comes to technology, and they're the first generation to have an experience with the tools that will help shape their generations more than ever before. The other way that it affected them is technology gave millennials freedom in ways other generations couldn't experience. Traditionalist boomers and most Generation Xers found freedom from their parents outdoors, but millennials weren't allowed to go outside to play alone. Life was too unpredictable, so their parents made them play indoors where it's safe. Millennials found that freedom from their parents' control on the internet because their parents didn't understand it, per se. Technology, another way that this really affect them, is technology shrank as well as expanded millennials' worlds. Millennials were the first generation to grow up in what is known as a global digital village. They know people all over the world as a result of playing online video games as well as connecting through Facebook and other online venues. The internet has shrunk the distances but has also expanded their horizons. The entire world is accessible from a millennial's smartphone in ways that we don't use as other generations. And then lastly, technology gathers millennials into tribes. Millennials don't have a group of friends. Technology has given them a tribe of friends. Boomers typically, typically had four to five close friends, and that was all that you could fit into their instant messaging device, which was a car like a Chevrolet. Generation X had eight to ten because cell phones could be, allow them to coordinate all those folks to meet. 
but millennials might have 40 to 60 different people they think of as close friends thanks to their thanks to their friends the ubiquity of their specific interests and their laptops you may have seen a group of millennials stretched across five tables at a restaurant all texting people who aren't there while they talk to each other listening in on conversations and jump in and out of discussions all while looking at their cell phone at the same time and then the last thing that really made a big difference for millennials specifically is this notion of emerging adulthood one of the most common complaints I hear about millennials is their lack of commitment and that their work ethics can be tied to the dynamics of an idea called emerging adulthood. Remember, we talked about delayed adolescence a little bit more when we were talking about some of the other podcasts. Some of these, some people, when I talk to about these things, never heard of this guy called emerging adulthood. So when I have conversations with people about this issue, they're confused. They say, my son Brandon pays us rent but never really gives us grief. He's a lot of fun and I don't mind having him home. I'm just worried he's not doing what he needs to prepare for the future. He's in no hurry to finish college. He bounces from one job to the next. I try to talk sense to him and my wife tells me I need to back off and give him time to figure out. But like seriously, how much time does this kid need? So what I try to do is reply with consolation and saying like I hear this quite a bit over and over again a lot of families worry about their 20-somethings because it seems they change apartments towns friends love relationships jobs and careers frequently society gives them more time than it gave our parents to try out different careers and identities until they find what they want so the world's different now they don't expect as much from this group and so this delayed adulthood is making it so it takes them even longer to find their path and really settle into their careers and lives. There are a lot of reasons why emerging adulthood is more obvious today with millennials than it was with previous generations. But let me keep it simple and give you the biggest reason. We don't believe a person is adult till they hit the age of 26. Remarkably, 20-somethings also agree with this assessment. They think it takes that long to figure out what they want to do to settle in a career, to commit to a long-term love relationship, and have saved enough to get their own place. Boomers liked freedom from the pressure. They pushed off buying houses until their, their late 20s. So did Generation Xers. Millennials plan to push it off even further, like maybe their mid-30s. But they did leave college with a higher student loan debt and it's much bigger than what many boomers paid when they bought their first condo a couple of days ago i was sitting around at the table of millennials in a class i was leading they were all rare respected and productive but they articulated the freedom of their 20s in this way i tell my friends you're not married you're only 25. this is the time for you to hike through europe and asia for a year you'll never get this chance again because you'll settle down and have a house and a family enjoy the freedom and opportunities while they last because if you don't do it now you won't get to do it later again right it really talks to that millennial mindset that i'm trying to help you understand in different ways while most older generations worry about having a workplace full of millennials with this sense of work ethic, it will end up dissipating just the same way it did for Generation X about 20 years ago. With millennials, it will just happen a little bit later. So again, when we're looking at millennials, we need to be less critical and cut them a little bit more slack because they're adjusting to the world and the way that we create it. They seem to be the least understood generation. When they first entered the workplace, Generation X didn't understand Millennials, and Boomers didn't understand Generation X, and Traditionalists didn't understand Boomers, Generation X, or anybody else. 
The earlier generation had done fine despite the worries of their elders, and millennials will too. Every generation has their own unique way of doing things. Once the millennials' children go up and enter the worksheet, all the attention will shift away from millennials onto Generation Z specifically. All the prior generations will be sure that millennials' children will spell the downfall of the, and the ending of all that's good in the world, but they'll be wrong. Because we're wrong. Because we're super judgmental when we try to talk about generations and try to understand what they come from. So again, now that we understand the background of some of the, of the millennial generation, their stories, the big things that help shape their generation and why they feel the way they do, what are some values that are really important to them? They really care about achievement. They want to be seen. They want to stand out. They want to do well. They are avid consumers, right? We told you about that. They also have a sense of civic duty in a way that's different. They're a little bit more politically engaged than other generations had been, yet a younger time frame. Uh, they have a lot of confidence. They value diversity. They really like fun and not just fun, but like extreme fun. Uh, they value fun in everything they do. They do have high morals. They also are highly tolerant, even of older generations, because they have to tolerate them in the workplace. They can be hotly competitive with one another. Uh, they do like personal attention. They really like personalized and individualized attention specifically. So again, know if you're gonna work with millennials, these are the things that you need to do to make sure that you get them on board. They're very self-confident, they're very social. They feel as though they're members of a global community. They also happen to be the most educated generation, as well as most technologically savvy. They're also much more spiritual and a lot less religious. They value now and being able to do something now. They're not big into delayed gratification. They are known for their optimism, their realism, as well as street marts. So again, remember, when we're looking at trying to work with the millennial generation, we need to leverage these values and not try to change these values. Some people are like, why are we trying to have fun in a meeting? I'm just trying to get the meeting over with or done in the most efficient manner. If you don't add fun into a meeting with the millennials, you're gonna lose them and you're not gonna be able to work with them. So again, today, what did we talk about? We talked about some of the key markers of the millennial generation. What makes them them? Why do they work the way that they do? We looked at some of the major stories that shaped the generation of millennials. We looked at the fact that they had to deal with terrorism, that they didn't get to play outside, that they didn't have a lot of freedom, and so they found their freedom on the internet. And then we looked at some of the values, some of the big drivers of this generation, why they feel and think the way that they do. So again, with the podcast, things are going really well. Um, moving along with this generational podcast, and that'll probably take us to about, I don't know, maybe March-ish. Uh, I'm planning on doing a podcast with Sarah too. In a few weeks, we will have met our three-year goal where we've been podcasting as a team for three years. That's right. The Inclusive Activism Podcast is going to be reaching its three-year anniversary before we even know it. So that will be interesting to see and notice. Seen a good amount of downloads. Love seeing and noticing some of that stuff because I feel as though it's really nice to see and notice growth with the podcast and see that people are really appreciating the content that we're giving them. So with that, if you thought of something and you felt like this was valuable in some way, you can leave me a voicemail at 860-576-9393. That's 860-576-9393. You also have the ability to text that phone number at 860-576-9393. Again, tell me what your thoughts and 
and feelings are. If you're a millennial and I got it completely wrong, that is the time and space for you to tell me about that stuff. It is a place for us to dialogue, to have questions back and forth, for you to ask me to do podcasts on specific topics and ideas. And again, I want to know what you're thinking and feeling about stuff. Because again, I'm going to be coming up on my three-year anniversary, which is my commitment of how long I said I'd be doing this. So I might not do the podcast if I don't hear from folks soon. Uh, because I want to make sure that I'm creating value and I'm not just wasting my time talking to myself in my office. So again, if you're interested in me or the podcast or what we're doing or what we're up to, create a dialogue with us and let us know. You can email us at inclusiveactivismandcox.net. You can text us at 860-576-9393. You can Facebook message us. You can message us via Instagram. Let us know. We're trying to get out there and be part of the conversation, but we can't talk with people that don't talk back. And lastly, as always, if you're interested in booking me and bringing the power of inclusive activism to your organization, you can do so You can by emailing me at inclusiveactivismcox.net, and you can learn more about me and this organization at www.inclusiveactivism.com. Stay awake, make sure you're looking at the things that matter, and remember, there's a lot of stuff to react to right now. Right now, we're in the fifth week of the government shutdown, and Trump just spoke yesterday about his deal, but it's really just a way of shifting blame. Non-reactivity, folks. Don't let people get to you. Do your 578 breathing, meditate, slow down. And just because people are yelling for attention doesn't mean you get to gift it to them. Have a great day.